We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me over on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. The Lakers offseason. It is off and rolling, but uh, maybe not quite as active as some of us were hoping. The trade front, a little bit quiet lately, a little too quiet. We're going to talk a bit about that and everything else going on in the Lakers summer. Joining me today is Jovan Buha from The Athletic. Jovan, thank you so much for, for coming on here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. So first thing I have to ask you, out of the aggregation weeds, it's been flying around for the past, gosh, a little over 24 hours, that the Lakers have now upped their offer for Kyrie Irving, that they're now willing to include both of those first-round picks, the 2027 and 2029. A lot of it is getting attributed back to you. I know I've I've been around long enough to know the way these things work, though, where sometimes something gets put out, it can be someone's opinion, and through the weeds of aggregation, it winds up being taken as something that it isn't. Clear it up for me. What's really going on here? Were you reporting that the Lakers have indeed officially offered two firsts, or do you believe that's what's going to happen? Where where does the truth lie there? Yeah, so so no, I I was not reporting that. Um, If I was, you would see that coming out from my Twitter account, and and there would be either a tweet or a story with that. Um, The the amount of stuff I've seen aggregated and and attributed to me this offseason has been uh, insane. Like, I've... Um, you know, like I, I do radio hits or podcast hits and, um, some of the stuff I report, some of the stuff is more, uh, just informed opinions or, or speculation of what I think is going to happen. Uh, so w- with that, the, the question was, do you think the Lakers will, and you know, at some point give up two picks in a deal for Kyrie or would they be willing to, to give up two picks for Kyrie? And I said, yes, I think they would. And I think that's most likely what the the final outcome will be. If they do end up trading for Kyrie Irving, it will most likely have to include two picks. And, and I think they would do that for Kyrie versus from what I've heard on like the Indiana front or, or some of these other deals, they're not as sold on those deals catapulting them into contention and it being worth it to give up that second first round pick that teams have been asking for. So uh, I did not report that 
they have offered that. Uh, you know, I think there's still you got to figure out the the KD situation. Where is he going? What type of package are they looking for? I think that's a really big thing because, well, you know, th- there's been some smoke out of the Brooklyn side of they want to remain competitive and, and they're looking for packages that like a Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart where they would still remain probably in playoff contention. But at the same time, uh, my colleague John Hollinger at The Athletic wrote this week that like they actually might have incentive to tank where, you know, they could get a lottery. You know, they have their their own pick this year. Uh, they, they have a pick swap with Houston. So Houston, if they end up having a worse record, could, could uh, swap with them. But, you know, if they tank, they probably get a, a lottery pick in a loaded draft. So I think that there is a w- way that Brooklyn could pivot, trade KD, trade Kyrie and go into uh, next season with like Ben Simmons and a bunch of role players and really be looking at, you know, let, let's get another star with Ben and kind of rebuild the situation f- from the ground up. So um, I, I think it could go a bunch of different ways, but I do think that if the Nets ultimately look to trade Kyrie, which I think they're going to, uh, the Lakers are in the driver's seat for that because Kyrie wants to be in LA if he leaves Brooklyn and the Lakers, you know, b- because of that, I-, I think have a really good, uh, position to trade for him. So uh, no, they did not offer the two picks yet, but I think where this is headed and, and just kind of reading the tea leaves and from what I've heard, I, I do think ultimately that's how this is going to play out. Okay, so not something that has happened up until this point. Let me ask you, this is a big debate among among Lakers fans. Should they offer both of those picks, in your opinion, should both of those picks be on the table in order to get a player of the caliber of Kyrie Irving and part ways with Russell Westbrook, which is the other part of this we got to talk about. The Nets would the Nets come off of their stance if they don't want Russell Westbrook back? Uh, yes, I, I would give up both picks. Uh, I just think uh, you, you kind of got yourself in this mess with the the Russ trade and um, betting on a third star that really wasn't a great fit with LeBron and AD. And and I think if you go back and just look at the last decade of champions it's been one of two things you either have a star tandem with really good surrounding depth and and a good supporting cast like the 2019 20 lakers uh or you have a big three that really complement each other well and that's like going back to miami and and those three and it took them a year to figure it out but once they figured it out they obviously were, were really really good uh, or even the the uh, you know LeBron Cleveland teams, um, you know Kevin Love had to change his game. Kyrie was obviously the number two to LeBron, and like I think those those trios fit together really well. Uh, so you, you kind of need if you're going to have that third star, they need to fit with the the top two guys, or you need that depth and really strong supporting cast. The Lakers currently don't have either of those, and that's where I think getting Kyrie you would at least have that third guy top 15 top 20 at worst player in the league and and just I, th- I think the offensive talent that you would have with LeBron 80 and Kyrie would be enough to in my opinion mitigate some of the depth and supporting cast issues that they currently have so I also just look at it as like LeBron is going to year 20 he's, he's going to be 38 like what you know what are we doing if 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 you're looking at it as like, oh, well, let's just punt on this season, you know, play out the rust situation and and let's wait till LeBron goes into year 21. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me of you don't know. I mean, Le- LeBron's dealt with injuries in three of his four years in L.A. Uh, you know, they, they missed the playoffs in, in 
two of the four years, like nothing's guaranteed. So if I, if I'm the Lakers and I only have one, two, maybe three years tops with this LeBron AD trio, I'm going all in on the next year or two. And, you know, to me that, I mean, yeah, it, you ideally want to keep one of those picks and it's not great to, to give up future assets, but you don't know what you, the, the rest of the decade is going to look like. And if you have LeBron and AD, two top 10 guys on your team, you need to do everything you can to maximize that title window. So no, it's not ideal to give up two picks, but if, I, if I'm the Lakers, I'm worrying about this season and next season. Let's try to get another title maximize this window as best that we can and then we can worry about the rest of the decade later the the challenge with a Kyrie trade that i see from the lake from an asset perspective is can you pay a third team do the lakers have enough to incentivize a third team to take on russell westbrook if the nets continue to have this stance of we don't want russ back in any deal do you think that the nets ultimately will come off of that and be willing to accept him or does this ultimately have to be a three-team deal involving a team with cap space like like the Spurs or or like the Pacers. Yeah, that, that that's the tricky part. Um yeah. I, I think it, it depends what the again it depends what the Nets want because I, I think if they're trying to remain competitive, you don't want Russ probably. Um like because I I just think you know the his perception around the league right now is is not that of a guy who's really gonna help you win 50 plus games and and you know be a, a home court advantage team but if you are looking you know to potentially buy him out or just let him you know go get your triple doubles and and we'll be uh a lottery team like i think that's it really depends on their motivation because i think if if they're looking for um and also i think that the other part of this is like you know if if Kyrie is, is sending out the signals that he wants to be in LA and he has this recent history of not being the most available guy and, and, and kind of being unpredictable, like that is going to scare suitors off. So maybe there is a, a dark horse contender that a Miami, a Dallas, whoever that is willing to take on that risk. But I, you're taking on a lot of risk. And if the Lakers are willing to give up kind of their, their maximum package of, a Russ, a couple picks, and um, you know Kendrick Nunn or, or Taylor Horton Tucker to, to kind of match salary depending on what they're getting back. Uh, maybe they throw in a, a Max Christie or an Austin Reeves or, or whoever the Nets kind of want as like a younger player to, to kind of be uh, you know make it work. Like it, it's you're gonna you know you're gonna have to give up at least two picks, right? And then you know maybe you're giving up more attractive players to the Nets, but to give up two picks and not really have the assurance that Kyrie's going to stay or even want to be there. Like that is a risk for whatever team is trading for him. Whereas the Lakers, I think they would at least have some assurance. He wants to be here. If he's traded, he's open to re-signing here. Like you have that kind of safety blanket as safe as it can be with Kyrie. So that's where I think the Lakers have some leverage in this. Um, of course, the Nets can stand pat and just keep Kyrie. But why keep him? You know, if you are rebuilding and, and going in a different direction, why not get the two picks? And, and yes, you you get you take on Russ and and you have to figure out his contract. But like that to me just makes more sense. Is is get the two assets from the Lakers? Maybe get a Taylor Horton Tucker, someone that's young could could be part of your your core moving forward. Like that to me makes a lot more sense than just standing pat or hoping someone else swoops in with a better offer. So. 
I think the Lakers are in a really good position here. Um, I do think again, it'll probably cost the two picks, but that's where like, I could see Brooklyn changing their tune ultimately just of if we're pivoting towards rebuilding, I think the rust deal makes more sense. If we're trying to be competitive, that's where I think the Lakers are in a tough spot. It's similar in the sense that the, the reaction I've seen from Nets fans, especially over the last few days has been, we need to clear the air here. We need a palate cleanse. We need, we, whatever you want to call it. We need Kevin Durant out the door after everything that's gone on there. Kyrie Irving, let's reset. Let's, let's reclaim our team to some degree. We also kind of have the same sense for the Lakers where you move on from Russell Westbrook, you clear the air, you kind of try to remove some of that stench from last season, and then you start fresh. Both these teams could seem to benefit from some sort of a move. The question is, will they ultimately see eye to eye on a deal and get something done? Uh, from the Lakers perspective, you talked about you know the Nets could bring Kyrie into the season. How important is it that the Lakers move Russell Westbrook before training camp? Like, can you see a scenario where they bring him into camp and bring him into the season and and give Darvin Ham a chance to do all the stuff he's been talking about in terms of utilizing Russ? Yes, I mean I I could see them bringing in like ultimately trades are a two way street, right? So. Uh, it, it can make all the sense in the world for a team to take on Russ and, and for the Lakers to attach assets to it, but you, you have to find a, a willing trade partner. So th there is, I think, definitely a reality in which uh, a team doesn't take on Russ, you know, doesn't want to take on Russ, and the Lakers have to bring him into training camp. Um, in my opinion, I, I think it, it is best for them to clear that, uh, you know, stench as you said, and and you know, clear the air, like. Just enter with, with a a you know a palate cleanse to the season, just because I, I think we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, we, we've heard some some mixed stuff coming out of, of the Lakers side of, well, you know, Russ and Darvin have, have a great relationship and they've had great conversations and this and that. But like the last time we spoke to Russell Westbrook was his exit interview. And there was zero indication in, in that, you know, 10 minutes or whatever it was that he, you know, was willing to adapt his game, was willing to be the third guy. Um, he, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times now, but like he, he I mean, he took shots at, the organization he took shots at the fans he took shots at frank vogel he took shots at lebron and ad like he took shots at everybody and the extent uh, of which you know he took accountability was him saying i didn't average a triple double and that's you know that's my measure for a good season and i didn't do that and like 
if that was what he took away from last season and then that was why it wasn't a good season, like not them going 33 and 49, not them missing the play-in, uh, not them being 20 and 32 in the games that he played with one or both of LeBron and 80 out, like that to me is just a red flag of like this guy just doesn't really get it. And, um, you know, maybe a, a summer of reflection that there's some growth there and like he, he kind of, but again, like just everything we've seen since then and the whole interaction with him and, Le, you know, non-interaction with him and LeBron at summer league and like him firing his agent and just all this stuff is like, I just don't see the fit, you know, and, and I really, if, if they're getting last year's version of Russ again, and potentially a worse version just because he's aging, like, I think that they're honestly better off without that player, whether it's a trade or, or whether it's sending him home. So I think that's something that, um, and, and one thing I reported, I did report this. So th this wasn't something that was aggregated, uh, <laughs> that I I've heard that Darwin is going to be more empowered with making decisions with Russ. So it, it is going to be, um, you know, maybe that lack of power that Frank didn't have last season of, you know, he, he had to, seek permission to bench us in, in uh you know fourth quarter situations and uh really was kind of anti uh you know they they were having conversations about should we bench russ from the starting lineup and, and bring him off the bench or or even bench him all together like you know what's the best move here and they were afraid of losing him and, and kind of moving him to the bench would do that i think darvin is empowered to make those decisions so it is going to be something where if in training camp russ isn't you know, playing the way they want him to play. Um, hey, like you might have your minutes cut or, and if that continues, Hey, we're, we're going to bring you off the bench. And if he checks out, Hey, we're going to send you home. So like, I think that Darwin is going to be empowered to, to run the team the way it should be run and the way he wants it run. So that I think is an encouraging thing if they do end up keeping Russ, but I, I'm, I'm with you and, and, and just think it, you know, logically, like I, I don't, I don't really see the upside. Like, I, I think the, the upside is like they're a six seed with Russ and the downside is a repeat of last season. So to me, uh, whether it's sending him home or, or trading him, I, I think they're better off moving in a different direction. I'll tell you, Jovan, the only thing that gives me some optimism, just, just a little bit that maybe we can see Russ buy into the role that Darvin Ham is describing, which I've called a, a $47 million version of Bruce Brown, essentially, is what you're what you're trying to get out of, out of Russell Westbrook. That's an expensive Bruce Brown. <laughs> that's a very expensive Bruce Brown is what they're looking for. But, you know, we look at this from the Lakers perspective, and of course we do, right? We're going to look at things through purple and gold lenses, and that's what we do here. But from Russell Westbrook's perspective, if things go the way they did last season, what does next summer look like for him? He's going to be a free, whether this happens as a Laker or with any other team, to me, that is an interesting subplot this season because I think there's a lot on the line in terms of his longevity in the uh, NBA. See, I, the one thing I'll say with that, though, is I just, I don't think he thinks that way, you know, because I, I think, I, I think that was, I mean, that was like the subtext of what his agent was saying, right? In that statement yeah. to ESPN, where he was kind of like, if you get traded again and you potentially get bought out, like, that's not going to look good for your career and, and really just, you know, the trajectory of it. And I don't, you know, and then I, I, so, and of course we've only heard his agent side. So there's two sides to every story. We don't know what, you know, was, was for show and, and what was kind of real, but um, I still, you know, if, if there is any truth to that, and I suspect there's at least some truth to that, uh, 
that's not encouraging. And, and again, I, I just think that there's a lack of, it's the gift and curse of Russ, right? Like Russ has always been, um, you know, I, I compared it in a recent story to like Allen Iverson, where, you know, the, the gift and curse of the player is they thought, you know, they, they played a certain way. They viewed themselves a certain way and it, it made them special. It made them hall of famers. It made them great. But toward the end of their career, as they aged, as they lost that athleticism and were no lot, you know, not high level shooters, they struggled to adapt to kind of being more of like a role player. And with Iverson, he bounced around at the end of his career and really it was kind of, I think one of the worst superstar endings we we've seen. And I think Russ is now on that path. And um, again, I could be wrong, but remember like we were having these conversations last summer of Russ is going to play off the ball and, and Russ is going to be the defensive captain and Russ this and that. Like there was a lot of similar stuff of Russ talked to LeBron and AD and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And Frank talking about, you know, we have this plan for him and this, and like none of it really came true. He, he ended up being who Russ has always been and it works in certain situations. I don't think this is the situation in which it works. So again, I, I could be wrong and, and he could prove me wrong, but I'm going off of 14 years of this guy's kind of played a certain way. Last year, he said he would play different. He didn't. And I don't think he has the self-awareness to make those changes. But again, maybe I'm wrong. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I, I'm personally skeptical. No, I, I am totally in agreement with that. I, I've been saying I'm going to be skeptical until we see it. until we, Because we haven't seen it. So when we see it, then okay, I'll, I'll believe it. But I, until we actually see it, I'm not going to believe it. Um, I, I do want to jump to another play. I'll tell you what, I'm having trouble with one particular player because I've been going through and I'm trying to make my rotations and lineups and all that kind of stuff, make some projections and things for the team. And the guy that I'm having the hardest time figuring out how do the Lakers get him to fit, particularly if Russell Westbrook is still on the roster, it's the fourth highest paid player on the team. It's Taylor Horton Tucker. What, is, what does the future hold for him? Because I'm having a tough time seeing where he fits into this Lakers lineup, particularly with the schemes that Darvin Ham's been talking about. Yeah, well, I think, you know, to that point, Darvin hasn't really mentioned him yeah. in his availabilities. If, if we've noticed, you know, when he kind of goes through talking about the team, like THC's rarely brought up. Uh, I know in, in conversations I've had with people around the team, like they don't really bring up THT either when, when we're talking lineups or, or rotation and, and stuff. Um, so I recently did a, a lineup and depth chart projection and like I had THT as the 11th guy and, and kind of on the periphery of the rotation where I, I just think it, it's hard, you know, the, the Lakers already have, uh, you know, that there's only one ball that, that's kind of the cliche, right? But th they have LeBron and, and Russ, and now there's talk about AD being a, a bigger part of the offense and, and him doing some stuff and, um, even secondary guys like Austin Reeves played some point guard last year. You have Kendrick Nunn coming back and who I know the Lakers are excited to, to see what he could do as a backup point guard. Uh, even Lonnie Walker, who I think is going to kind of play that Malik Monk role, uh, you know, Malik light type of role. So like they have enough ball handling and, and shot creation. I, I don't think that, it, and, and those are THT strengths. So like, I, I don't, I don't think that's what they need. I, I think they need shooting. I think they need guys who can play off the ball. Uh, and then I think they need perimeter defense. Now that that's the one Avenue for me where we've seen 
the flashes from THT defensively with, with that, you know, seven foot plus wingspan um, with his frame, like he has the ability, I think, to be a good defender, uh, but we have not seen it consistently. And I think if he takes that step defensively, he could have a role in this team as something of a like bench wing stopper. But aside from that, like, you know, I, I think the shooting is the biggest concern. Like, you know, the shooting is a really big concern with this roster. They, uh, you know, all for, for, I really liked most of the moves that they made this off season, but Troy Brown jr. Was the only guy who shot at a league average three point percentage last season. Everybody else was below. And right now LeBron is the only guy on the team that shot above league average, uh, from, from three last season. So like, Shooting is a big concern, and THT is arguably the worst shooter on the team, at least among the perimeter guys. So to me, looking at it, his strengths are kind of mitigated with just the team already having some guys that are better at it or some guys that are a similar level. Most of the team is a better shooter than him. And then the defensive end, again, is where I, I could see some value, but you still have like Troy Brown, who I think is going to play a role, uh, Stanley Johnson, JTA, like you have other guys who I think are at similar levels defensively, if not better. So it, it's tough. Like I, I think as of now, I would project him outside of the rotation. And if, if Russ is traded, I think that changes. Uh, you know, if, like if they get Buddy healed, all of a sudden you need that shot creation. You need right. that playmaking, that ball handling. But if you get Kyrie, it's kind of a similar thing. So I think THT is, is in a tough spot where unless he takes a big leap, as a shooter or a defender, I think he's probably on the outside looking in on the rotation. Yeah, agreed. That's the conclusion that I keep coming to. And it's it's not ideal considering what his salary is at, the the resources that the Lakers have, have committed towards him. Again, hopefully he proves us wrong and he winds up winning minutes and, and he's great and the, the shot comes around and all that, but it's just hard to project that as of this moment. Uh, you know, but I, I know we need to wrap up in a moment here, but there's something that I've been been wanting to ask you about because you, you were on the Clippers beat for a little while. And there was something that you mentioned. I believe it was on. I listened to a ton of podcasts. It was on a podcast probably about a month or so ago, just kind of off the cuff. You mentioned that the Clippers have a much larger front office staff or staff in general than the Lakers do. And having covered both teams, I want to pick your brain a little bit. Is that a negative for the Lakers? Is that a concern? Is that how do you see that and view those two organizations the way they they operate? You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to. I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion, and I'm Shea Serrano, and we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies, Woo! and it's the f best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's a negative because I, I think you, you see like 
front office size varies organization to organization. And, and I think, um, looking at, you know, some of the, the best front offices, uh, like a Miami or an OKC, uh, or, you know, just over like the last decade, some of those front offices are, are a little smaller or, or just have, you know, more top level decision makers. Um, I, I think, there, there is an advantage to having a, a bigger front office in that um, I, I think like with the Clippers, uh, you know, I, I know that th there is a level of um, just encouraging, encouraging, disagreeing opinions and it kind of just being like, hey, we, you know, we got six, seven, eight people in here. Everyone just kind of say what you think about this and let's argue it out until we figure it out. Um, whereas I, I think with the Lakers, it is probably a little bit more top heavy with, um, you know, Rob Palenka and, and uh, Kurt Rambis and, um, you know, Jeannie. But like, I, I think that there, there's probably a little bit higher level of, of just fewer chefs in the kitchen, which sometimes can be like there, there's advantages and disadvantages. Right. Because I think sometimes, um, you know, it could be harder to make decisions when you have so many people in there kind of voicing certain things. But I also think, you know, disagreement is, is healthy and, I know the Lakers have a level of that and they've talked about that, especially with like the draft stuff, like they'll really go back and forth on that. But um, I think, I think the one thing though, is that uh, the Lakers are, you know, they, they run like a family business. Right. Um, and it's something that like they have the, the Hulu documentary coming out um, legacy. And um, I was lucky enough to, to get a teaser of that. And it, it, it kind of shows like, you know, really how the, the friend, you know, it's a family business. Like when, when Dr. Jerry Buss bought the team, like he wanted it to be, I'm passing this down to my children and they're going to pass this down to their children. And like, this will be run by the bus family and, and we're going to run this, you know, a certain way. So I think, you know, that has, has obviously worked because then they have 17 championships, but I think it is sometimes maybe good to get outside opinions. And, and that's where I would say maybe having a smaller front office isn't, a negative, but I think everyone who's in the Lakers front office pretty much has had ties to the franchise for a long time where you, I think you, you see with, with like the Clippers, they brought in Jerry West who had no ties to the franchise, but obviously has the golden touch being with the Lakers and the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And like, he's someone that kind of comes in and can be contrarian and can kind of push buttons to say, well, I really think this and everyone kind of respects his opinion. So I think the, the one thing with the Lakers I wouldn't say having a, a small front office is negative, but I would say maybe adding like a voice or two that have no ties to the franchise and just yeah. like, let's hire a really smart person who can come in here and, and maybe help us look at things in a different way. Cause I, I think sometimes you get into that like group think yeah. mentality when you have everyone with, with similar, you know, uh, and I think, so I think that's the one thing, right. Uh, but I, I would say, for the most part, like, look, I mean, they won a championship a couple years ago. Like, it, it, it's really hard to, you know, they got LeBron, they got AD, they might get Kyrie. Like, it's really hard to kind of knock the front office. I, I do think there have been some missteps. Alex Caruso, the Russ trade, like, you know, they're not perfect. But I, I would say, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily a negative to have a smaller front office. But I do think they can maybe have more of a contrarian uh, perspective in the front office versus kind of, people who have always had ties to the Lakers. 
Sure, that's fair. And that's something the Lakers fans have been been concerned about for a while. Is do they need to, to branch out from the Lakers family tree and find some outside voices in order to kind of, you know, break things up a little bit in terms of the decision making? However, I'll say, you know what? I, it, we've circled all the way back around here because right before the 2019-2020 the season when they won a championship, the prevailing thought going around was that the Lakers front office didn't know what they were doing. And then they won a championship. Now we've kind of circled back to that after they had a couple of seasons of, okay, they won a championship. They know what they're doing. Now we're back to, uh-oh, <laughs> this, is, this is not looking so good here. The Lakers are in disarray, that kind of stuff. So who knows? Maybe this next season then we'll follow the pattern and be back to NBA glory. We can only hope. Fingers crossed on that one. But, uh, but Jovan, thank you so much for, for coming on here and, uh, and giving us your time. I, I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, man, th this was a blast. Uh, I'm happy to come on anytime you want me. So I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love to have you back on back on the show. And of course, you guys can go check out Yovan's work over at The Athletic. Does a fantastic job there and has been uh, getting aggregated like crazy this summer. <laughs> Some Sometimes when he doesn't want to be, but, uh, so, but the star uh, is certainly yeah. rising. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell. Don't forget to follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Till next time, stay safe and see ya. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.